Thanks for that, Vula. We appreciate you. I know that was Alex, but he was inspired by Vula. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Are you guys grateful for this is this is this is not a this is not a husband comment. This is a this is a I'm a part of this church comment. Are you guys grateful for Cheryl Sharp and all she does? She does a lot. She does a lot. That um that word that we sang pour me out. The Lord was all over it. His, his presence and his power was all over it. You know why? Because we need it. We need to step into it. We need to walk into it. We need to move into it. And so I know, I know my wife has encouraged us, and I want to I wanna take a moment to pray that in. Then we'll get to the message. <clears throat> Lift your hands with me real quick if you, if, you, if you want this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be more than words. Let it be more than a song, God. I know you don't care anything about fancy prayers. And so I pray with my family that, that we would walk that out well and we would be known as a church who gets filled up and a church who gets poured out, God. And the way we serve, we love, and we sacrifice. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's talk a little bit about wisdom from above. Sound good? You interested? All right, we'll take that for your title. Um, I, want to, I want to start this morning a little bit with, it, it seems like a reoccurring theme over the last several months that there is this attack on the integrity of the Word of God. And, and our pastor's been addressing it from, from the pulpit almost weekly, that, that if, you're, if you're doubting the integrity of the Word of God, don't. Um, because there's such an onslaught in, in culture right now and, 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 and making God into what we want him to be instead of letting him define who he is to us. So I want to start there a little bit. Where I'm going to start is in Genesis 1.26. It'll be up there. I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to cover the whole verse, but he starts out, let us make man in our image and, and in our likeness. And then he goes into dominion and, and some of those kinds of things. But what I, what, I want, what I want you guys to hear out of the gate is the plan of God from the very beginning was that we would be in the image of God. We would become like him, we would be his likeness, we would, we would have his character and his nature. It didn't start with Romans 8, 29. It, it's, there, it's there in Genesis 1. And, and everything we see throughout the, the thread and the heart of scripture is to this man being formed into, into the image of God. Why I start there and why I made the cultural reference at the outset of the message is because it's, it's so fitting that the, the greatest attack, perhaps, um, throughout human history is that that man would want to make God like him. Right? So, so, so our created purpose is that we would be molded into his image. And the thing that we struggle with, maybe the most, is trying to mold him into to our image and, and make him what we would happen to be. And that is the... I like this word this morning. That is the current, that is the onslaught of what's going on, both in the world today and heavily in the church today, that we would, we would get to define who God is and, and what's good and what's evil and where he stands on things. And so I want you to turn over to Exodus 32. I'm gonna take the time to, to read this this morning. <laughs> Exodus 32, verse three. Um, and this is the story of the, the golden calf. Um, we're not gonna stay here long, but I just want you guys to, to see that there's nothing new under the sun, y'all. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Stop, look at me. Isn't it interesting that the people came to the religious leader to craft their idol? They didn't, they didn't, do, it on them. They didn't do it by themselves. They didn't do it on their own. They, they, they entreated leadership to create a false image of, of who God was, and leadership agreed to do it. And that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. That's why, that's why our pastor needs prayer, because he is, he is being attacked more than any of us. And, and oftentimes, we are, we are coming 
Sometimes knowingly, sometimes ignorantly. But we are coming and we are, we are making this request right here to, to our leader. So let's read about Aaron, his response. It was lacking. Then they said, <clears throat> so they made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. The proclamation, this is God, came from leadership. The altar that was built came from leadership. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. You know what that word is there? Yahweh. Tomorrow, I leadership, I Aaron, declare a feast to Yahweh. While they, while they looked at this, at this golden calf, and Aaron made a proclamation, tomorrow's a feast to the Lord. They rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Same thing we face today. Same, same reason, same reason our pastor is encouraging us. Hold on to the word of God. Let go of everything else. Hold on to the word of God. Because, because without the integrity of the word of God and without it dictating who the Father is to us, we find ourselves right here. Crafting our own version of God, making him exactly what we would have him to be, and then looking at that false image of who he is and saying, Yahweh, Yahweh, and we, and we worship that thing, and we sacrifice to that thing, and we, we make our peace with that thing, and we try to draw the, the wellspring of life from that thing, and it's all, it's all false. There's no, there's no life in it, and the only way you and I don't end up there is this. That's it. There, there is no other way. You have no other hope. Clear enough? Good. Good, good. So I want to start there, and then I want to go over to Luke 4. Turn over to Luke 4. Let's read that together. And, and, and what I want to look at, this is, this is the mission of Jesus. This is why he came, what he came to do. And, and I, want to, I, want to, I want to talk about how this happens a little bit um, before we move on. Remember, we're talking about wisdom. Don't lose the fact we're talking about wisdom. Wisdom from above. <clears throat> and the first thing I want you to hear as you turn over to Luke 4 is, is this. If you're going to operate in wisdom from above in more than words only, actually in deeds, you have to recognize about yourself that you have the same tendency that the children of Israel had at the base of Mount Sinai. And you gotta be humble enough to say it. You know, like I'll stand before you as, as, as one of the trusted leaders in this church and say, my tendency is to make God into what, why, what I want him to be. That's my tendency. That's, that's my struggle. That's what I, that's what I fight. And, and to be sober-minded, you have to realize that is your tendency too. If you're ignorant or you're prideful or you deny it, well, you will not move forward. <laughs> and so, might as well. So Luke 4, 18, 19 says, the spirit of Jesus talking, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There's something that I heard in the last couple of months that got my attention incredibly, and, and that was this. You'll be hard-pressed, if you can even find it at all, where Jesus laid hands on anyone in his ministry in the Gospels and said, and said be healed, be healed in your heart or, or be healed in your emotions. He, he didn't do that. It's, it's not there. He did that all the time for people's bodies, right? Be, be healed, be healed in your body, be, be whole. <clears throat> You know, let it be unto you according to your faith. He said those kind of things all the time about the body. And so when we, when we read Luke 4, and it is, it is much more what is going on in the heart, what is going on in the mind, what is going on in the emotions, you know, what is, what is going on in the spirit 
this, this healing that he's talking about, this, this preaching the gospel to the poor, those that are in need, this healing of the brokenhearted, this liberty to the captives, this recovery of sight to the blind. You know, I'm sure that's talking about both blindnesses there in the physical, but also in the, in the spirit. We're gonna go back to sober judgment there to, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, guys, was a time where you came out from burdens that you were under. You came out from oppression. And so I say all that to say this. How does, how does this happen? We know it's what he does, but how does he do it? And, and if, we can, if we can land there and realize that, then we'll be so much open to, to what he's trying to do and how he's trying to do it in our lives. He does it with truth. That's how he does it. That's what the gospel is. It's, it's truth. And so, so there, is no, there is no breaking free of oppression. There is no healing of a broken heart that happens apart from truth. That's how he does it. John 8, 32 says... You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's right. The, in, in Isaiah 10, it's talking about the anointing, and he says, he says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. But then we go over to, to 1 John chapter 2, call it 20, 20 27-ish, right in there. And he says, he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and it teaches you all things. It's, it's taught you. That same presence, that same power, that same weight of who God is, it, it breaks the yoke, but he breaks the yoke by teaching. He breaks the yoke by an impartation of truth. Do you, you guys see that? The, the impartation of truth, wisdom from above, wisdom from heaven is what we're talking about. That's how Luke 4 happens. Without that, Luke 4 doesn't happen. Jesus comes, but he is the embodiment of truth. He is the personification of truth. And so it's truth that does it's truth that does the work. <clears throat> so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about that truth. And, and I'm, going to call, I'm going to call it wisdom, wisdom from above because we're going to go over to James and, and we're going to read about it. But the, the heart of this message is, is this. As I, as I prepared it, I really, I really felt heavy on my heart. There's a lot of people struggling. It's just tough, just tough season right now. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people struggling in, 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 in what I'll call a hard place, in what I'll, I'll maybe call even a, a desperate place, a, a close to hopeless place. And, and the Lord wants to minister to us and he wants to help us on our journey. He wants to help us. He wants to sustain us. He wants to help move us forward. He wants to help move us out. But it's probably not gonna be a touch on the shoulder. Okay? And, and, and part of the reason that we, we struggle with our struggle is because we're, we're looking for a touch on the shoulder. And, and by and large, that's not how he does it. You'll be hard-pressed to find that for me in the word. And so, so as, as always with the Lord, right expectation is huge. It's It's everything. It's wrong expectation is why people miss Jesus. And so, so we can't say enough about right expectation. And so, <clears throat> so the Lord, the first thing I wanna say about, about wisdom from above is, is this. Often, it's hard. It's hard. Let me ask a question in the room. How many people, the Lord lately, has he told you to do something? Hard. I'm looking for hands. All right, there we go. How many people, it seems like the Lord tells you to do hard things over and over again? <laughs> Michael Wallace said every time. That's interesting. I, I'm not, I don't want to preach a heavy message. And I also, I also don't want you to hear this morning like, Christianity is such a grind. Following Jesus is such a drag. It's not. It's the most fun I've ever had in my life. You know, it's amazing. He's amazing. But there, there is a reality of the things that he imparts to us, the things that he speaks to us, the places he calls us, the people he calls us to, no offense, y'all, can be hard. You guys are wonderful. And, 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 and they can it, can, it can all be difficult. And that's a problem for us because we run from difficult. We don't like difficult. We don't want difficult. And we live in a nation that is preaching a gospel of ease. 
And so I just want to debunk that a little bit this morning. I want to rock that boat. As my wife says, I want to step on toes a little bit in a, to, to rightly represent the heart of God and, and his word and scripture so that we can be equipped for every good work, like, like the word of God says. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a scripture out of 2 Timothy um, that is is a place that, again, has been around since first century, and it's a place that's very much still around today, and we don't want to fall into it. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Some of the versions say they, 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 they look for teachers who will tickle their ears. Right? So if you came for that this morning, sorry. You're going to be disappointed. The, it's everywhere, y'all. We, we want to be told what we want to hear. And we want to hear easy. And we want to hear abundant life. And we want it to fit the bill of, of the American dream. And, and it doesn't. And it's, it's not scriptural. <laughs> and, and, and you won't find it here. The American dream, by the way, y'all. Abundant life is very scriptural. And so, and so just know that's there. I mention that because I, I want us to be aware of what's going on around us. The, the Lord tells us, be, be gentle, but be wise. You know, Be as wise as serpents. Be as wise as those who are deceitful. And so just know that's there, and it's everywhere. It's, it's lurking. It's lurking, Richard, to your, to your word. The reason so oftentimes that, that where the Lord leads us and how he leads us and what he speaks to us is, is difficult or hard is because Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. Romans, Romans 8, 29, who before knew, he, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, right? Second Peter, that we would become partakers of the divine nature. There is, a, there is a, an image of God that's being formed on the inside of us. We, we signed up for a lifetime of, of growth, when we said yes to Jesus. And so this growth process, just by nature, right, Lulo? Just by nature, it's not easy. Change isn't easy. Transition isn't easy. Birthing something isn't easy. And, and growing something that's there into something bigger is a difficult process. Everything we see in, in the natural affirms that. So why would it be any different in, in, in the spirit? There, there is no growth without Difficult, adversity, resistance, those kinds of things. Just, just look at, look at, I mean, look at working out in the gym. Look at, look at how muscle, look at how muscles built, tearing, ripping, stretching, healing, tearing, ripping, stretching, healing, over, 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 and over again, and it, and it builds and it gets stronger. And so we have all these pictures in the natural to, to again just take the legs out from underneath this. Jesus saying, come follow me, and I'm all about your happiness. I'm all about your ease. I'm all about, I'm all about what you want to do. That is, that is garbage. He is not. He is about his nature and his character being formed on the inside of us. And when that's easy, great. And when that's hard, he's about it just the same. And, and that's what we, that's what, that's, that's part of that prayer, like, pour me out because I want us as a body to walk this well, you know? And it takes, it takes courage not to be afraid of hard. It takes courage not to run from hard, not to run from difficulty, and to stay in a lifestyle of pouring out, which by definition is, I feel like doing this, but I know God wants me to do this, so I'm gonna do this regardless of how I feel. That's, that's what it is, y'all. All right, so <clears throat> look at, let me just mention it to you. Matthew 16, 24, 25, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, take up your instrument of death, and, and follow me. Die to yourself and, and follow me. Why, why is that there? This has to move from words on a page. Why is that there? Why does he say that? Because, because this lifestyle of Christ following, he's going to ask you and I to continually do things we don't want to do. <laughs> it is what it is. 
call a spade a spade. He's going to continually ask us to do the thing when we would rather be doing something else. Now, now that can be sin. Sin is there. But that can also just be, I'd rather be golfing than doing this. Right? And, but this is more important than golf or whatever your, whatever your you know, leisure activity is. Or, or rest. I'd rather be doing nothing. I want to be sitting on my couch and watching golf. And so there's a, but the Lord has me somewhere else. And so there's a, there's a sacrifice required. I'd rather sleep in on a Sunday morning than come to church. Come on, y'all. That's as honest as I know how to be. It's been a long week. Die to yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Hard. Difficult. Right? Sacrifice. And, and so wisdom from above. Why am I taking all the time right here? Because if you think the things you hear from God are going to be easy listening, you're deceived. And you, you will hear the wrong things from him because your expectation is wrong. And, and you will take what you've, what you've heard because you didn't have ears to hear something else and you'll call it God. You'll call it Yahweh. We're going, we're going back to Exodus, right? I feel the Lord leading me to do this. Of course you do, because it's what you want to do. And so you need God to validate what you want to do, and you can call it God, and you can sound spiritual and still get to do what you want to do almost all the time. Come on, y'all. <laughs> I mean, come on, y'all. I can say it so well because I fight it, right? That's just, that's just honest. That's just transparent. I'm telling you where I'm at. And so, so, so when, you can, when you can sink into a place where you almost, Robert, you helped me here, so thank you, where you almost can say, okay, what do, I, what do I feel like doing in the flesh? The other thing, that's probably God. You know, what, what's the easy decision here and what's the hard decision here? What's the decision that doesn't require sacrifice here and what's the decision that does? That's probably God. So, so if there's any uncertainty, I should probably just go that way. Why? Because Jesus says in wherever it is, I'm about to tell you, Matthew 7, 13, 14, you can put that up. <clears throat> Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I would love to sign up for a life of difficulty, please. It's true. It's true. Difficult is the way. And so when wisdom actually comes from God, when wisdom actually comes from, from heaven, oftentimes it will be difficult. The exception will be easy. I won't say he never. He never gives easy things. He does, but it's the exception. Most times, difficult is the way. I want to help you discern the voice of God this morning, especially in your struggle and how, how you're gonna be sustained there, how you're gonna find hope there and, and how you're gonna move through that and, and out of that place. So that's the, that's the first thing. Thank y'all. It's all over the world it's all, over the, it's all over the world. It's all over the word. Abraham, leave your land. Leave your family. Leave your house. Leave everything you know. Come to a place you don't know. Fought barrenness. Tried to do it on his own. The Lord came through. You're gonna have a baby at 99. And then that, then that baby, Isaac, when he was a teenager, sacrificed your son. Hard. Difficult. I'll go further as a father. Unimaginable. Right? This is the God we serve. This is, this is the God who speaks to us. Joseph, you're going to get sold. Slavery. I'm going to be with you in the struggle. God's with you in your struggle. And you're going to get promoted. And then I'm going to ask you to forgive the people that sold you and faked your death. And you're going to get promoted. Then you're going to get slandered. And you're going to spend years in prison. And then you're going to rise. 
That's, that's difficult, y'all. That is, that, is, that is very hard. Isaiah, I'm going to call you to preach to a people. You're not going to listen. You know? We love that. Here I am, Lord, send me until we realize that it was to a group of people who weren't going to listen. <laughs> yeah, send me to those people. Sign me up, coach. <laughs> Difficult. Hard. Alex, I love something you said recently with, with, with Caleb, and, you know, Caleb and Joshua. They, they had to deal with those unbelieving people who God had already said, you're going to die here. You're not, you're not coming to the place I have for you. Well, they had 40 more years. Difficult. Hard. Hard, hard. Rich young ruler. One thing you lack. Go sell everything. Sound difficult? Wisdom from heaven. Woman caught in adultery. I don't condemn you. Stop it. Cut it off. Cut off the relationship. Probably cut off the provision. Probably cut off the living situation. Cut it off. Difficult. Hard. So, if we can go, all right, Lord, wisdom from heaven, probably going to be hard. We can tune our senses further to hear the voice of God. And then when he tells us what to do or leads us to a hard situation or keeps us in a hard situation, the shock factor will be less. All that I've spent all this time doing is trying to lessen the shock factor for how hard following Jesus is and will continue to be. You good? Still with me? All right, good. Turn over to James 3.17. First thing, first thing I want you to hear, you have a tendency to create God in your own image. Second thing I want you to hear, the nature of truth, hard, difficult. Third thing I want you to hear, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. I really want to focus in on these three. Peaceable. A lot of versions say peaceful. Wisdom from above, right? Sounds like the Father speaking, yes? Sounds like him leading. Sounds like the impartation of truth that we just said, this is how breakthrough happens in Luke 4. This is how freedom happens. This is how emotional healing happens. The impartation of truth. What kind of truth? Hard truth. Wisdom from above is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Why are those so important? If you're waiting for the Lord to yell at you, probably not gonna happen. If you're waiting for the Lord to slap you over the backside of your head and say, get in the stinking word, it's probably not going to happen. Alex Barefoot might do it, but, but the Lord, the Lord, <laughs> just to be fair, I might do it. The Lord, peaceable. He's not going to fight you. He's not going to fight you. It's peaceful. His wisdom is Peaceful. He's going to come and he's going to put it on the table and it's going to have peace on it. Kind of like when he said, here's all these blessings and here's all these curses. I set before you life and death. Choose life. That's the nature of the Father. That's what he does. It's, it's peaceful. It's gentle. He's not going to strong arm you. He's not going to tackle you. He's not going to force you. He's not going to exert his, his dominion over you. Are there rare exceptions in Scripture? Yes. You're probably not one of them. So welcome, welcome to the greater percentage, right? That God is not going to meet you on the road to Damascus. He is going to whisper, and he is going to be steady. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be gentle. It's going to be easy to miss, and it's certainly going to be easy to trump. Why? Put that back up there real quick for me. The second, second part of that. First part of that, I lied. Look at that, y'all. Right there on the bottom. Read it to me. Golly. The creator of the universe comes to you and I and imparts the truth and says, I'm willing to yield. I will. I'll yield to you. This is, 
This is the pathway to freedom. This is the pathway to breakthrough. This is the pathway to provision. This is the pathway to healing. But I, I submit it to you. I, I yield it to you. And if you want to go another way, okay. Peaceful, gentle, willing to yield. Now here's the problem. This is why we miss it so much, y'all. Here's the problem. The content of what he's asking us to do is hard. And if you're like me, <laughs> to motivate me to do something hard, you gotta just about yell at me. You know? Push me, do something. You gotta do something abrasive oftentimes to really get me to do hard things. You gotta stir me up, you gotta shock me. You gotta, Brandon, come on, let's go, let's go. Right? It's why coaches so oftentimes, they're, they're, they're loud, they're in your face, they're, because they're trying to push, they're trying to get someone to exert and do something hard, and that's difficult, that requires motivation. A lot of times that requires loud, as I get loud. The Father? Here's hard. Come soft. Did you guys get it? Here's hard, but I'm going to bring it to you softly. Peaceful, gentle, willing to yield. That's how, hey, sacrifice your son came. Came to Abraham. Abram at the time. That's what, it, that's what it sounded like. And that's what it'll sound like for you and me. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. So, so oftentimes it's hard, but, but the tone, the tone is soft. The tone is soft. I wanna, I wanna talk about three people, quickly. Don't throw anything at me, quickly. That found themselves in, in, in hard situations Desperate situations. And I just wanna I just wanna walk through the story and say there's there's the wisdom. There's the wisdom from above. This is this is how it came. And and I'm I'm prayerful that you'll you'll identify with at least one of these and and, and hear where you are in their struggle and, and how the father father deals with it. The first one's Jonah. You can turn over there. Jonah four and uh, and I'm gonna read I think I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm, I'm going to read 11, 11 verses real quick. Um, actually, I'm going, to, I'm going to pick it up from 3, 310. Then God, this is talking about Nineveh. Then God saw their works that they, they turned from their evil way and relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. And so when we pick up 4.1 and it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry, that's what he's, that's what he's angry about. He's, he's angry at the mercy of God. Um, on, on the city of Nineveh. And so in two, so he prayed to the Lord and he said, ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing hard. For, for, for anyone not familiar with the story in the room, uh, the Lord said, Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. And, and Jonah right here tells us, he knew that if you preached, they would, they would repent and God would show mercy. And so he said, I, I fled to Tarsus. I fled from your presence. Got on a ship. <clears throat> Tempest, Tempest came up because of his disobedience. Disobedience caused storms like it still does today. And, um, and they threw him overboard. And the Lord provided. We often think it's the Lord's judgment that he provided a fish to swallow. That's not the Lord's judgment. That's the Lord's mercy. The Lord provided a fish. Otherwise, Jonah was a dead man. Swallowed him up, and then Jonah comes to his senses in the belly of the fish, spits him up on shore, and, and this is kind of the, the end of the conversation here. So in three, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Look at me. Sound hard? Does he sound desperate? He doesn't sound like he's in a good frame of mind to me. This is not good. You know, when, when you say, Lord, I want to die. It's not good. Now listen, I don't make light. There, there, there are some of us who have been there. There may be some of us who are there right now. Lord, it's too much. I'm done. I know I'm going to be with you. Just take me home. But it's, it's rooted in a hopeless place, right? 
it's rooted in a place that's lacking wisdom from above. And so I want you guys, it's easy for us to laugh at Jonah and, and, and say, oh, you're so ridiculous. But I really want you to see this is a real man, really, really at his wits end, really at the end of his rope. And, and the Lord said to him, is it right for you to be angry? In, in four. Get to the place in your life where you love the Lord's questions because his questions lay your heart wide open. And he, and he moves in questions, not because he doesn't know the answer, because he wants to show you something. And so he asks you a question, he asks me a question, and it starts this soul search, and that's where the Spirit of God can, can start to speak to us and peel back, peel back layers of things we don't see. Jonah's so mad. Is it right for you to be angry? Angry about what? What are they talking about right now? The city, right? The, 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 the redemption, the salvation of God coming to a city. Is it, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Remember how that comes. Pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Is it, is it, is it really right for you to be angry? Jonah was so mad, he didn't even answer. <laughs> so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade until he might see what, the Lord, what would become of the city. God already told me he was going to have mercy, so I asked Jonah, was hoping he would change his mind. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. What is that, y'all? Provision, mercy. Jonah's struggling, right? You and I are struggling. There's still provision. God's still moving. He's still caring. He's still, he's still clothing. He's, he's doing all that. And so the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery, so Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. That's the part of God we don't like. God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, and then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live second time. Second time, he's having something that I'll call very close to suicidal thoughts. Right? Don't lose sight. We're talking about wisdom, and we're talking about Luke 4. He's the, he's the healer of the brokenhearted. You don't get to a place saying, it, it, it'd be better for me. I'd be better off dead. You'd be better off dead. Unless you're brokenhearted. Right? How does he heal a broken heart is the question on the table. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. Here's what I love, church. There's so much we can learn here. Here's what I love. The Lord gives him room to answer. He doesn't ask a question for spite. He doesn't ask a question to make fun. You know, he doesn't ask a question to say, told you I was right. He asked a question to help us. And he gives Jonah space to answer. Yes, Lord, it's right. Angry enough, angry enough to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. I wrote in the, in the margin of my Bible, pity was his healing. Jonah, pity was his healing. Jonah had come to a place where he completely lost touch with the mercy of God for mankind, particularly for Nineveh. And he'd come to a place where he made a judgment call on 120,000 people. And, and the Lord goes through this process, wisdom from heaven, where he asks him questions and he gives him room to answer and he dialogues with him, all to the point of saying, Jonah, shouldn't you have more mercy on people than you do a plant? And that's where healing comes. We're not told the rest of the story. I can't tell you if Jonah got healed or not. 
What I can tell you is he had opportunity to be healed. If he, if he said yes to wisdom that came peaceably and to wisdom, that was hard. That was hard. Who knows what? Who knows what Jonah's story was? We'll find out one day. For in Christ. But he looks pretty stuck in his way, which tells me there's some pretty deep roots there. And so this is an invitation. Jonah, let me walk with you. Let me teach you mercy. Let me teach you about who I am. Let go of what you've been holding on to so long. Do you guys hear that in the conversation? You hear that coming? Coming peaceably, coming gently, and coming willing to yield. Jonah, you can say yes to this or you can say no to this. I want you to say yes to this, but, but this is the way. I'm not going to touch you on the shoulder and heal you. You really need to hear that, church. It's a process, and if you'll walk it with me, we'll get there together. Turn over to Genesis 16 real quick. This is the story of Hagar. I'm going to go through it very quickly. <clears throat> Hagar was, was Sarai's. I don't know if I'm saying that right. We'll see. Sarai's, Sarai's maid. And when, when Abram and Sarai couldn't have, couldn't have a child, they, um, they came up with this crafty idea of, well, take, take Sarai's servant, Hagar, and, and Abram can, can have a child with, with her. And so we pick up there in the story and in verse five, it says, then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So, so Abram said to Sarah, indeed, your maidservants in your hand, do with her as you please. He's just trying to stay out of it, husbands. And, uh, and when Sarah, Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Listen, you got you got Jonah fleeing, hard wisdom. Now you have Hagar fleeing, a hard situation, a difficult situation. And, and it says in seven, now the angel of the Lord, that is, that is Christ, y'all. Now the angel of the Lord, capital A, found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid. Do you see that? That's not accidental. That's not unimportant. Hagar, Sarah's maid. He's connecting her with where she should be versus where she is. He's connecting her with, with God's plan for, for her life. Where have you come from? Where are you going? See the question? Really, We really need to be in touch this morning, y'all, with what questions the Lord's asking us. He hasn't stopped asking questions. Where have you come from and where are you going? Again, he gives her room to answer. She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress. Easy? Talk to me. Hard. It's so hard. You know? It's like, Lord... You kidding me? Did you hear what she said to me? She, she dealt with her harshly. Now, to be fair, Hagar, Hagar did something where, where Sarai said, now she despises me now that she's pregnant, okay? So she's not, she's not guiltless, and neither are you and neither am I, and, and whether we're in a hard situation to a fault of our own or not, the Lord still cares, and he's got a plan, and he wants to move us forward. But, but his direction, wisdom from heaven, Go, go back. Go back and do what? Go back and, and honor authority that's not easy to honor. Go back and do that. Go, look, look at what it says. The angel said to return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. That hand? That hand that was just harsh to me? That hand that I can't see eye to eye on anything with now that I've done what I've been asked to do? And now it's hostile? That hand? Submit to that? Submit to that boss? That team? That coworker? That leader? Are you kidding me right now? Hard. Hard. 
And the angel of the Lord said to her, I'll multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you're with child. You shall bear a son and you shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. Elroy. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Amazing. And so you and I know the Father as the God who sees because a maid was willing to submit to wisdom. That was hard. And came, and came gently. And she had a choice in the matter. And it led to a revelation of who God the Father was and is. I'm gonna give you one more. I'm gonna give it to you in a couple minutes. I'm gonna talk you through it. It's in 1 Kings 19. You can go and read it. It's the story of Elijah. And right after he slayed the prophets of Baal to the tune of hundreds, and right after a three-year drought ended as a result of his prayers, Jezebel said, I'm gonna kill you, boy. Tomorrow by this time, you'll be dead. And he ran for his life. Sound like a hard situation? Sound like, sound like Elijah caved to fear? Like you and I and so many of us fight to not be controlled by fear in the day and age that we live in. He caved to fear. And the Lord was there and the Lord sustained him and he sent angels and he sent cakes and he sent jars of water and he did all this and he sustains Elijah for 40 days and he ends up at the Mount of God. And it's where the it's where the Lord passed by and fire came and an earthquake came and wind came and the Lord wasn't in it. And then a gentle whisper came and Elijah covered his face. And that was the presence of God. And do you know what he said to Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Twice. And Elijah said, the children of Israel, the, ch the church, the children of Israel, they've forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one serving God. And they're seeking my life. I'll tell you this, church, be careful. If you ever get to that place where you feel like you're the only one serving God, the only one doing it right, you're on dangerous ground. What are you doing here, Elijah? And here was the Lord's answer to, to his explanation, which he gave him room to share. I love it. So gentle. He said, go back and anoint this king, Hazael, king of Syria, and, and, and anoint, anoint this king, king, king of Judah, and then go back and anoint your successor, Elisha. What, what, what was the father's direction? What was the hard wisdom? Go get back in community. Go get back honoring authorities that have been set up by God. Go get back discipling people and, and raising up leaders and raising up your successor. Stop thinking you're the only one. Stop being so self-righteous. Stop your pity party. Go do this. And then he says this, and this is fascinating. He says, and whoever escapes the first king, the second king will, will kill. And whoever escapes the second king, Elisha will kill. Community is protection. There's protection in community. Community is how God defeats hellish forces in your life and in my life. And then he says this, Elijah, I have 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal and haven't kissed him. When you, when you feel like you're the only one, God says, eh, there's a couple. I have 7,000 serving me faithfully. Serving me perfectly? Mm-mm. Serving me faithfully? Yes. Now, was that a hard ask? Elijah also said, Lord, let me die. I'm no better than my fathers. Let me lie. Let me die. And this was the path to healing. Go do what I've called you to do. See, we want to touch, church. But it's not a touch. It's a thousand touches as we walk with them on a process. So I want to pray for you this morning. <clears throat>
Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for teaching us. I thank you for your anointing, God, that, that teaches us and reveals things that we don't have the ability to see on our own. I know there's, I know there's, there's people in the house, Father, hurting. I know there's people in the house, God, struggling. I know there's people in the house in, in desperate situations. And my prayer this morning is that our hearts would be filled with hope. God, that you would give us eyes to see, like with Jonah and Hagar and Elisha, you would give us eyes to see your provision in the struggle all around us where you've, where you've been there, that we wouldn't be blind to that, Father, that we would dig deep and, and dig deep for gratitude, dig deep to, to see where you are in the process right now. And Father, I pray, God, that you would, you would, you would help us view wisdom from heaven accurately. Father, I pray that you would, you would settle in in our hearts that, that you don't come like a tyrant. You, you're not going to force the issue. You come softly. You come gently. And you come willing to yield. But God, what you bring to us, the paths that you bring to us, they're difficult. The way to life, it's It's difficult. And I pray, that we, I pray that we could mature to a place where we're, <clears throat> where we're okay with that. Where we wouldn't, we wouldn't fight that. We wouldn't want that to be, to be something different. Father, because the way that you've designed it is holy. And it's right. And it's true, God. And so, so I thank you for for bringing healing to us and freedom to us and breakthrough to us, God, and setting us free through a process of, of hearing from heaven and being willing to say yes to a hard decision. And so, Father, if nothing else gets through, God, let that get through. We trust you. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.